Welcome back to the Boilers and Beyond podcast, a podcast focused on Purdue Athletics, the Big Ten Conference, and the national landscape of college athletics. I'm your host, Jordan Jones. I hope you all had a great Memorial Day weekend. I know I certainly did, enjoying some lake time with family and friends. Um, Today, we're going to take a look back at the biggest Purdue football news to happen from the past spring semester. Obviously, it was a different look semester, but there was plenty of Purdue news, notes, uh, lots related to the football team to talk about. So we're going to break down everything that's happened with Purdue football since the lost Indiana, which concluded a truly disappointing 2019 campaign for Jeff Brown's Boilermakers. The offseason got off to a really big start uh, early on in December when Coach Brown announced that the program was going to move on from defensive coordinator Nick Holt after three years running the Purdue defense under head coach Jeff Brown. Um, truly interesting three years for Nick Holt. His first year, he really emerged as a strong defensive coordinator. Uh, a really strong defense led Purdue to a 6-6 six and six season that year, and then ultimately a win over Arizona in the Foster Farms Bowl. Um, it was a bend-don't-break defense. They were very good in the red zone, very good when opponents got across midfield, and really limited teams to three rather than six very well. That, incre- that number increased of points per game, yards per game over his next two seasons. Um, a tough, tough year in 2019 was the nail in the coffin that caused Jeff Brown to decide to move on. Um, it's difficult to criticize Nick Holt's defense in 2019 without pointing out the obvious. Uh, Lorenzo Neal and Marcus Bailey, two guys who are pro-caliber players on defense. Marcus Bailey obviously drafted this year by the Cincinnati Bengals in the seventh round. Lorenzo Neal projected to be a draft pick in next year's NFL draft. Um, Those are two really big pieces that Purdue's defense needed to have this year, and they didn't. That caused a lot of young players to have to play significant minutes, get significant snaps on defense that in all likelihood they weren't ready for. Um, the run defense got worse every year under Bob D- or under Nick Holt. Um, you know, it's just a tough situation where the defense got worse. This past year, you saw an offense that struggled quite a bit at times with the amount of injuries that took place on that side of the ball. And the defense just wasn't able to um, kind of hold their own and keep Purdue in football games. Um it was interesting. Uh, early on, it was a big story when uh, Nick Holt left the sideline and coached from the press box. That was a big story in the Nevada game where, you know, Purdue had a 24-7 to lead at halftime and lost the game uh, 34-31 on a last-second field goal. Um, you know, how much Holt moving from the sideline to press box had to do with the defense falling apart in the second half I don't know, but it is worth pointing out that, you know, that could have been a big point um, as to why the defense struggled this year. I know Jeff Brom was very defensive of his move, but at the end of the day, Holt did end up moving back down to the sideline. Uh, The defense never truly improved throughout the year, though, uh, and it was just a tough season. Uh, Purdue did not force turnovers well. They were tied for 97th nationally 
in the amount of turnovers they forced. Purdue's defense just wasn't able to make plays to put the offense in some short field situations to put points up on the board. Uh, When Purdue's defense got stops, it was a lot of punts. It was a lot of missed field goals. Um, You know, really just allowing more than 30 points a game puts an offense in a really difficult spot. And that's what happened in both 2018 and 2019 under Nick Holt. Uh, In comes Bob Diaco. Uh, Diaco, in my opinion, was a fantastic hire. Diaco was a Broyles Award winner for the top assistant coach in America when he led Notre Dame to the 2012 national title game where they got beat handily by Alabama. Regardless, that was a defense that was among the nation's best during the regular season, um, led by guys like Manti Teo. That defense was very, very solid. Uh, He then left Notre Dame to be the head coach at UConn. Went very poorly by all accounts. Um, It's a tough place to win. UConn truly is one of the toughest jobs in college football. You're kind of on your own up in the Northeast is the only major college football program up there. You are in a difficult position in the American Athletic Conference by traveling all across the country to play your conference games let alone your non-conference games. You have low fan support, low fan buy-in, and truly limited success in terms of a historical look at a program. After that, uh, he got fired after three years at UConn. He's bounced around his programs a little bit since. He's had stops at Oklahoma, and most recently he was the defensive coordinator last year at Louisiana Tech, led a very strong defense to a good finish in the Conference USA, and most notably shut out Miami in their bowl game. I believe that was the Independence Bowl, a 14-0 win for Louisiana Tech. Obviously, anytime you're able to shut out a Power 5 program as a Group of 5 program, that's very impressive, let alone a Power 5 program that is good enough to play in a bowl and in a bowl game setting. Very impressive stuff from Diaco's defense at Louisiana Tech. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting hire for Purdue. Obviously, Diaco has lots of experience coaching the defensive side of the ball. Um, He will move around players a little bit. Um, You're going to see more linebackers, fewer guys on the defensive line. Um, You're going to see quite a few different formations from Diaco. If we've seen anything from his time at Notre Dame, his time at Louisiana Tech, he likes to mix up the looks on defense. Uh, That will be a challenge to Purdue's depth on defense. Uh, They're still building plenty of depth. They are not to where they want to be yet in terms of, you know, having depth at every position. But, you know, I think over time this could be a really good hire for Purdue. Anytime you get a guy with that much experience to come lead a defense that you really need to build up, that's going to be really big. Uh, Purdue has never been known for its defense. Uh, Even under the Joe Tiller leadership, you saw really good offenses led by Jim Chaney, but the defensive side of the ball never quite got there, although Brock Spack was a pretty good defensive coordinator for Purdue. Diaco's success in this upcoming season will be a major part of Purdue's success. If Purdue's defense is able to be pretty solid, then you're going to see a really good Purdue team because this offense has a very strong ability to make big plays 
You have a lot of playmakers on the on the field, and I think you're really going to see an interesting Purdue team if Diaco can lead a strong defense in year one. Uh, Elijah Sindelar uh, announced that he is not returning to Purdue. This was a fairly big announcement. Uh, he had been granted a sixth year of eligibility by the NCAA. He chose not to use it, um, deciding to go pursue a career um, just in the working world. Um, this was a fair. This was very significant. Obviously, Sindelar's uh, last two seasons at Purdue were not what he had anticipated. In 2018, he started the Northwestern game, threw three interceptions in the first half, and was replaced by David Blau. Uh, after that loss to Northwestern, they lost to Eastern Michigan in a game where neither Blau nor Sindelar played particularly well. And then Sindelar was hurt in practice that week, an injury that ultimately cost him the rest of his 2018 season. In 2019, Sindelar... Uh, Never really got it going. He was strong in the first half against Nevada, fell apart late through a late interception that led to Nevada's game-winning field goal. He was strong against Vanderbilt in a game where he suffered a concussion late, missed the TCU game, and then against Minnesota suffered a broken uh, collarbone that ended up costing him his 2019 season as well as the rest of his college career. Um, Purdue returns two quarterbacks, obviously, who had starting experience last year in Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell. I think this is a significant move in the fact that it represents a final turning point where I do not believe there are any more players who played any snaps under Daryl Hazel who are players at Purdue anymore. There's a few guys who redshirted that first year under Hazel who are still around, but no one who played a snap under Daryl Hazel will be playing for Purdue this fall. That's big. It's a turning point. Now this is officially, by all accounts, Jeff Brom's team, guys that Jeff Brom has brought in, and it's time to see what they're able to do. Brom is supposed to be a very strong quarterback's coach, Plummer and O'Connell are two quarterbacks he's brought in. It's time to see what they can do truly leading this offense and how well they have grasped the playbook and the scheme that Jeff Brom wants to run. We'll say quite a bit about the way Jeff Brom, Brian Brom, and the offensive staff has really gotten this quarterback room ready to lead a program that is always relied on quarterbacks and always will rely on quarterbacks for their success. Purdue brought in another recruiting class, obviously. Uh, the 2019, 20, excuse me, the 2020 recruiting class was ranked 33rd nationally and 7th in the Big Ten. Uh, the big names in the class, you had five four-star recruits, including Malik Carr and Abdur Rahman Yassin. Uh, both are wide receivers from Michigan. Uh, those are the two biggest fish in Purdue's class this year. Both of those players enrolled early. They were among eight early enrollees. Another significant early enrollee was wide receiver Marcellus Moore. Uh, Moore is a speedster who actually enrolled early to run track for Purdue prior to the spring sports getting shut down. Uh, he's going to be another guy who you could see getting on the field early just because of that burning speed that he has. Um, it's a good class for Purdue. 
anytime you're able to be in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten and recruiting, that's fairly significant. That's very good. Um, you have a lot of good programs in the Big Ten that recruit well. And this is a little piece for Jeff Brom to show that, you know, this momentum he's built in his first two years, even into year three a little bit, is still going well. We'll see more of that as we get into the 2021 recruiting class. But his 2020 class was solid, um, and we will see how many of these guys can come in and have a major impact early. One guy to keep an eye on for an early impact is junior college defensive back Giovanni Howard. Um, He was originally going to enroll early, did not, had to take care of some academic stuff back in uh, the junior college ranks. But he enrolls early for, or he enrolls in the fall for Purdue, and he will be a major piece in that defensive backfield next year that really needs to be able to contribute early because Purdue needs it at the defensive back position. Obviously, as we've seen in both sports, in football and in basketball, throughout this entire quarantine, uh, you know, stay inside phase in America, the transfer portal has been blowing up in both sports. And we've seen that with Purdue. I believe they are up to 13 players who have departed through the transfer portal. Not all of those are major significant contributors. We've seen guys like Darius Pittman, who announced that he was transferring very early last year. A player like Noah Ellison, who is a walk-on transferring down to the FCS level to play at Indiana State. Those still count towards the transfer portal numbers. Some of the more significant players Purdue has lost. Uh, Kenneth Major, a defensive back who has started some games for Purdue over the past two years, has played a lot of snaps at the defensive back position. Uh, His departure was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, I did expect him to be able to play this year and to be able to be a significant contributor on the defensive end. His departure is part of the reason why I think it is so important for Giovanni Howard to come into Purdue and be able to play from day one. Uh, Purdue also loses guys on the defensive front. Uh, Giovanni Revere is a notable loss for Purdue. While he was never a standout star at Purdue, he is a loss, a guy who has played a fair amount of snaps for Purdue. Um, he transfers, uh, that's another significant loss and a really interesting one is linebacker Cornell Jones. Uh, he transfers out and he's transferring to Florida state to be a walk-on. Um, I really don't know enough about the situation to present much commentary other than it's really interesting that a guy leaves a power five program where he is a scholarship player to go be a walk-on at another Power 5 program. Obviously, Florida State has the tradition. They have the pageantry. They compete in the ACC. Um, While they've been down in the last few years, you know, Mike Norvell has some optimism surrounding that program. We'll see what that ends up being. Uh, If Cornell Jones truly ends up being a walk-on there, it's an odd decision. Um, You wouldn't figure... There's a lot of playing time for walk-ons. Traditionally, there is not, especially at positions like linebacker, but we'll see. Anything can happen there. On the flip side of the transfer portal, 
Uh, Purdue did get one major incomer, and that is quarterback Austin Burton. Uh, He is a graduate transfer quarterback from UCLA who has two years of immediate eligibility. Uh, His addition is very interesting to the Purdue quarterback room. Uh, Burton only started one game in his three seasons at UCLA. Uh, He has thrown fewer passes in college than both Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell. He started one game last year, a loss to Oregon State. He was solid in that game, but um, UCLA has really struggled under Chip Kelly in his first two seasons, and Burton was no exception to that. He is a dual threat uh, quarterback for Purdue. That is an aspect that Purdue does not particularly do well right now and has not done well under Jeff Brom, uh, David Blau, and Elijah Sindelar, both more traditional pocket passer quarterbacks, and the same goes for Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell, who figure to be the two main competitors for the starting job this year. Um, from what I've seen from Burton, uh, his dual threat ability is real. He will pose a threat to run, but I think it's fair to question how much of a contender he is to be the starting quarterback for Purdue this year. Um, not being on campus right away doesn't help not being able to be in position meetings and you know practicing in the spring. That doesn't help. Uh, puts him behind in an offense where yeah, it's fairly complex. There's a lot to learn, and there is a very high expectation for the play of quarterbacks. We've seen it before. Uh, Jeff Brown has a very quick trigger for his quarterbacks to pull them out and expect better. We saw this in the 2017 season. In the 2018 season, when David Blau and Elijah Sindelar were coming in and out for one another, we saw it last year in the Illinois game when Jack Plummer was benched for Aiden O'Connell. Um, it's an interesting situation. We will see what Burton is able to do in year one. Uh, he has two years remaining, and we will see what goes on there. Uh, he joins, in addition to Plummer and O'Connell, True freshman Michael Alamo, a four-star quarterback from the East Coast, and redshirt freshman Paul Paferi, who has obviously not uh, registered any snaps at quarterback for Purdue yet, but was a fairly highly touted quarterback. We will see if he makes any name for himself this year as we get closer to the start of the season. Obviously, Purdue missed out on some spring practice due to the pandemic causing everything to end for college sports. Purdue is fortunate to have gotten eight uh, spring practices in. They got eight of their 15 practices completed before they were forced to seize. This is very good for Purdue. Many programs did not get started at all. Very few programs got through all 15. For Purdue to have gotten through eight, very good for Purdue. Uh, This is a team that will take all of the extra reps they can get. Obviously, for the defense, with Diaco coming in as the new defensive coordinator, um, that's really good to get as much familiarity with that system as they can because the defense is a major area of improvement that Purdue needs to make this year. With the offense, uh, obviously, Jack Plummer is coming off an injury, suffered a leg injury against uh, Nebraska, 
that caused Aiden O'Connell to finish the season. The more comfortable Plummer and O'Connell can get with their receivers, particularly uh, Rondale Moore, who missed the last eight games of the season last year when Plummer and O'Connell did the majority of their playing. Um, That's going to be big, especially as well, getting familiar with freshman receivers like Carr and Yassin. Those guys are both capable of making an early impact for Purdue this year. Um, Purdue has gotten some commits for 2021 during the quarantine period. They are up to eight commits. Uh, All of them are three-star recruits. While three stars aren't always the sexiest and most exciting players that a program gets, it is important to keep in perspective that Purdue is still building. Uh, Purdue under Jeff Brom is not a finished product yet, and if it is, I think it's a little bit underwhelming. But um, Purdue's not done. Purdue is still trying to build, and Jeff Brom is not complete in his overhaul of this roster and putting together a team that can contend in the Big Ten West. Getting recruits and building depth with three-star recruits and hopefully adding some more four-stars on top of that, um, that's how Purdue can really put itself in a position to compete in the Big Ten West. Ultimately, last year, Purdue finishing towards the bottom of the Big Ten West alongside Northwestern was not what it had in mind, and for Purdue to continue to move towards the top of the Big Ten West and compete with the likes of Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. Uh, Purdue is going to have to continue to bring in higher quality players, keep bringing in three stars and higher, keep building depth on the trenches on both sides, both the offense and defensive line. Uh, Need to get better for Purdue, as we've seen. And I think Purdue's early, uh, early commits for the 2021 class are promising, and represent a pretty good start for Purdue in a 2021 recruiting class that still features two really high-level players from the state of Indiana that Purdue wants. Obviously, Yanni Karlaftis is a big name, the brother of Purdue defensive end George Karlaftis from West Lafayette High School. Very highly recruited player. Hopefully, Purdue can land him and really uh, continue to build a strong group in the front seven on defense. And from Lawrence North High School, Purdue is very strong after quarterback Donovan McCauley. McCauley is also very interested in Indiana. This represents a recruiting battle that could be really fun to watch between Jeff Brom and Tom Allen. Uh, He is a four-star quarterback, very highly touted, and... If Purdue were able to land him, that would be an interesting addition because Purdue has not had that dual threat type of quarterback in their offense. I think it could be very worthwhile for Purdue to move in a more dual threat direction with their quarterbacks because we have not seen a consistent ability for Purdue to run the football. And by adding in a quarterback who's a threat to run, You bring in some read option plays, you bring in designed quarterback runs, and you get the ability for a quarterback to scramble when a, you know, a play is busted on offense. So, you know, McCauley represents a big opportunity for Purdue to build up a little bit on the quarterback position and kind of change the way they approach it. 
Uh, the 2021 class will continue to grow. Obviously, we'll see that number get close to 25 as we get to the early signing period in December. A lot of time left to go on that. That's all I have to, for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. I appreciate everyone who reached out after our debut episode. If you haven't taken a look at that yet, uh, we discussed the high-profile transfers of Matt Harms and Nojel Eastern from Purdue Basketball and took a look at the effects that'll have on the 2020-2021 Boilermaker basketball team. Uh, we'll continue to have new episodes weekly during the summer before moving into multiple times a week as we get into Boiler football. Uh, please subscribe and give us a rating if you join, enjoyed today's episode. Uh, our podcast has a Twitter account. Give us a follow at Boilers Beyond. Next week, we'll have another similar episode to this, uh, but we'll take a look at Purdue basketball's offseason thus far and everything that's happened since Purdue's season ended abruptly uh, before the Big Ten tournament even got started. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you next week.